we're back. Woohoo! This week on Voice Over Voices, we're going to be talking about how a voice breaking can start a decades long career, why one more for safety can drive you nuts. We'll be talking promos, getting a book deal, anxiety in the booth, home studios, doors, doors, and more doors, and giggling. <laughs> And welcome back to VoiceOver Voices, the podcast where we delve into the wordy world of voiceovers. Each episode, you'll meet a professional voice artist, find out who they are and how they got into this work, and listen while we run through some slightly ridiculous script games, which are based on the kind of jobs we tackle on any given day in the studio. I'm Kathy Ogden, and I'm a voice artist, singer, songwriter, and now podcaster. A voice artist needs to be able to sight-read scripts, take direction, interpret the client's brief, create characters, moderate their vocal tone, flip from character to character, and somehow manage to do all this within a tight time limit. It's an intensely focused kind of job, and people come into it from all sorts of different backgrounds. And what's more, nobody really knows who we are. We're largely invisible to all but our agents, clients, and each other. Well, I'm changing all that, so on with the show. My guest this week on Voice Over Voices is the legendary Ian Lofty Fulton. Lofty is an international voiceover artist who is famous for his deep, endlessly rich tone. You may have heard him voicing MasterChef Australia or as the voice of TV promos for Sky News. He's also the signature voice of 2GB Radio. And then there are the countless movie trailers and ads in Australia and around the world. Lofty is one of the most generous souls I know, and I've been looking forward to interviewing him ever since I floated the idea of this show by him last year. He's loved by all in the business, and yet his life has not always been an easy one, having been born with achondroplasia, a form of dwarfism. Lofty's memoir, Lofty, My Life in Short, tells his extraordinary story with searing honesty, humour and insight. It's a brilliant book that had me laughing, crying my eyes out, and learning. I recommend the audio version so you can hear Lofty reading it himself. Lofty started his career in radio in his home state of Tasmania, and he went on to become one of the most recognisable voices in the country and beyond. On top of all that, Lofty shares his life with professional photographer Helen Trineri, who is the self-confessed love of Lofty's life. Ah, and so on that note, welcome to Voiceover Voices, Lofty Fulton. Kath, thank you. That is an awesome intro. It actually sent shivers down my spine, certain oh. parts of it. So, um, thank you. That was very generous and very kind. Ah, oh, well, it's so all good true. to be talking to you. You too. Well, because you started your life in radio. I mean, your career life. So, tell me about radio, and then tell me how you went from radio into voiceovers as a career. Well, I've got to give kudos to my late mum because, as you know from having read my book, school was not a very happy hunting ground for me in uh, years seven to ten in particular. And, you know, we all experience it. We go from the primary school that we know and love and end up at a larger school that is a pool of many other primary schools. And in that high school, I ended up getting bullied quite severely, thankfully not physically, but verbally. And people might say, oh, you know, rite of passage, boy, 
boys will be boys. What's in her name? There's a lot in her name. You know, you start throwing uh, racial epithets around uh, people and you'll soon find out what's in her name. And names hurt. Mm -hmm. Words hurt. And um, so by the end of year 10, and this is, as you mentioned earlier, down in Tasmania where you had the option, and I believe you probably do in, in the mainland, to either leave at the end of year 10, go out into the workforce, get an apprenticeship, yada, 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 or go on to do your HSC in what they call a matriculation college, which uh, is a separate environment to the high school that you were in. So having only just survived years seven to 10, I was just keen to get out and get whatever job I possibly could. And my mother said to me, look, you know, go on to um, go on to matric, and I went, Mum, I barely survived high school. Why would I subject <laughs> myself to that? And I, I mean, I was being serious. I barely survived it. Um, yeah. And she said it will be totally different. It'll, you know, people mature. The idiots won't go through. They'll go and do something else. And you'll meet a whole lot of new friends and things like that. And thankfully she was right. I loved matric. Socially for me, it was brilliant. Academically, not so much. Speech and drama was the only class that I actually attended constantly. The Mm -hmm. others were a bit like a systems entry in lotto, you know, with the crosses representing the times I hadn't turned up. And around this time, I was actually 15 and I still remember the day, I woke up one morning and um, mum was doing some cleaning. It must have been a Saturday or a Sunday. And think the old sort of like um, Alice from Mrs. Brady, how our parents would change into their cleaning clothes to do the housework (gasps) sort of thing. Really? Oh, yeah. Or, you know, they certainly wouldn't wear their Sunday best if they were going to be cleaning the toilets or, you know, vacuuming. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So we kind of get the picture. And there was mum with, you know, with one of those waist high aprons on, her older, you know, cleaning clothes and a feather duster in hand. She She was dusting. She had her back to me. And I woke up and I simply said to her, Cup of tea and toast, thanks, mum. And she literally stopped, you know, like the Statue of Liberty and instead of holding the torch midair, she was holding the feather duster and she wheeled around and she said, what did you say to me? And I thought, oh, because mum was huge on manners and I went, hang on, I did say thanks, mum. And it's it's having raised four kids, me being the youngest, it was, it was yeah. not something that she hadn't heard several times before. Yeah. I went, oh, cup of tea and toast, thanks, mum. <laughs> And she just looked at me as if to say, who are you and what have you done with my son? She said, what happened with your voice? And I went, oh, perhaps I'm getting a cold. Great, that means time off school. This was still (laughs) year 10 at the time. Once my voice broke, she suggested to me that perhaps radio would be a a good career path for me. And, of course, being an obnoxious teenager. Yeah, mum, whatever you reckon. So when I got to matric, she actually suggested it to my speech and drama teacher, who once she suggested the idea, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah, you know, and um, my speech and drama teacher, one of the local radio stations in Launceston, which was my hometown, would give schools time to come in and do recordings of reports on what they had been doing during the term or the semester and so forth. And Mrs. Monty, my speech and drama teacher, who I absolutely adored, was in charge of dishing those out for the matric college. Right. She said, look, go do a couple of these. And Kath, of course, as you know, walking into a studio environment is very nerve-wracking, even though you're pre-recording. And I figured to myself, like, this was, what, 1980, so it was still reel-to-reel tape. And I went, wow, if I make a mistake, we can just re-record it. Cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I relaxed and did it. 
And then the report went to air on the radio station a few days later and the breakfast announcer came, Ron Christie, his name was, and I'll never forget it. Like you can imagine being a 15-year-old and hearing this from one of the radio gods because radio of my vintage was a big part of your life growing up. Absolutely. He went, oh, wow, that guy's got a huge future in radio. And I just went, oh, my (laughs) God. And... um. I was at my trick at this particular point in time and I got a page to go to the office. Ian Fulton, come to the office, please. Ian Fulton, come to the office. And I thought, what have I done? I haven't done anything really wrong. So bolted down to the office and they gave me a phone message and it said, ring John at uh, Radio 7 LA. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, John Seaman, his name is. Marvellous, marvellous man. He was the manager of the radio station. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I bolted down to the phone box after, you know, saying to the girls at the office, oh, could I get change of a dollar so I can get some coins for, for the uh, old pay phones? Yes, people, before mobiles and all of that <laughs> kind of stuff, there were pay phones. And so I bolted down to the pay phone just outside the school and rang the office and his uh, assistant answered and um, said, oh, look, you know, as you can imagine, really excited. Hi, it's um, it, it's Ian Fulton. I had a message to ring John. Oh, yes, yeah, it's Sonia speaking. Uh, John was just wondering whether you'd be willing to come in and have a chat. And I went, oh, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to. What's it about? Do you know? She said, I'm not sure, but I think it's about a job. <gasps> and I went, wow. are you kidding me? She went, no. And so we made the appointment. I went in and saw John and he said, look, um, I understand that you would like to get into radio and you're thinking about going to radio school over in Melbourne, which was the sort of next course of action for me back then. And he said, we would like to offer you the opportunity to come in after school hours and learn the ropes here at the radio station, go on air when we need somebody to fill in for someone who's sick or whatever. And is that something that would And of course, yeah, I jumped at it. Did that during my matriculation years, being on air a few times. And then John was at a management conference or a radio conference and he was sitting next to the manager of Bernie and he said, look, I've just lost my nighttime guy. Do you know a rookie who could fill a position? And he went, I've got just the guy for you. So I rang John and he said, look, uh, sitting next to Ron Livingston, he's waiting for your call. He'd like you to call him tomorrow and uh, organise an interview to go down and have a chat about a job. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, first the entree to radio training being handed on a silver platter. Then <laughs> I went down and walked out with the job and uh, that was the start of my radio career at the ripe old age of 17, just before my Good 18th Lord. birthday. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, so it was I my mean, first so time living out of home, doing all yeah. of that kind of stuff. And, yeah, quite and incredible. You, so you pretty much sounded like you do now then. This was your voice. Apparently so. Yeah, wow. in fact, uh, um, it might have gotten a little deeper over time, but mm-hmm. not dramatically so. One of the stations I ended up working at in Brisbane, Stereo 10, the old 4IP as it used to be known, was sort of like a top 40 teenage hit station. Mm-hmm. And I recently heard an air check from there that I was on and somebody commented, you sounded a bit younger then, but you know, mind you, at the time I was only like 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Here I am now in my mid-50s, so... It's probably changed a little over time. Yeah. So being a radio DJ, I imagine mm-hmm. that that's when you started doing commercials for the radio stations that you were working for. How did that work? So you went from um, radio into voiceover. Okay. I'll try and give you the condensed version the ex- of it. The version. Well. Yes, the expurgated version. <laughs> Can I look that up? What does that mean? Um, um, 
so I spent basically around about, oh, God, 10 years in radio, 10, 11 years. Started in 1982 uh, by about 1992. And at this time, I was at uh, CFM on the Gold Coast, which was a very popular radio station. And back then, brand new radio stations were not heard of. It's, you know, old radio stations would change format, change names and so on. But to have the opportunity to be part of a a brand new station on the ground floor was was just quite incredible to be there at the birth of a radio station. And I was doing mornings, early afternoons at that stage, 10 till 2. And... By then, I was, you know, because, Kath, by the time people like a particular song that they might hear on the radio, and this is back then, back in the 90s or late 80s, early 90s, um, by the time people are taking a liking to it, we're already sick of it. Yeah, Because we've played it over and over and over again. And and I was just really jaded with the whole, that's the brand new song from Madonna. (laughs) And we're back next with, you know. And then same old, same old. And I didn't know it at the time because it wasn't diagnosed, but anxiety was not exactly my friend. I found it really hard to sit still. And in that day and age back then, we physically, uh, when I started, were playing vinyl. Then we progressed to CDs. So you could only literally be out of the studio for two to three minutes at a time. So it was a bit like you're sitting in a 10 by 10 room and it's a goldfish bowl, but for me, it was I, – I just couldn't sit still and I didn't know at the time but I later learned, of course, that that was anxiety. Mm. Um, and I just got really bored with it and just sort of went, you know what, I don't think – I was 28 and I said, I can't see myself doing this when I'm 40. Mm-hmm. What do I want to do? I had to learn to read commercials as part of the process of getting into radio, particularly down in Burnie. You did everything. You had to learn how to read news, read commercials, make commercials, put them on cartridge as they were then, ready to go to wear. So you had to be a jack of all trades. And I thought, you know, I do a lot of commercials for the radio station. Why don't I try it for myself? So bit the bullet and jumped in the deep end and to see if I could swim. And luckily I could. And here we are nearly 30 years later. Wow. Okay, got it. Well, on that note, on that very note, I, think, that we very should, note. I think we should do our first script game. Okay. Which is let always me, two in a booth. Let me open said scripts. What? Two in a booth. Yes. Sure. So Now, tell me, does this require accents? If you want to. Yeah, I think so. I think what we're, we're going to spin the character wheel and the accent wheel. Okay, before you before you spin anything, yes. I just wish to offer a disclaimer on my own behalf. I can't speak for you because I've heard you do accents and you're fine. <laughs> to all and every nationality, culture or whatever the case may be that I'm about to offend with my bastardised attempt at your dialect, I do sincerely apologise. Spin away, Kath. Oh, my gosh, Lofty. That is the best disclaimer I've ever heard. I should make that actually oh, part you're of the to intro it. to the show. You can have that. Thank you. Okay. Have it with my blessing. <laughs> okay, so if you have a look at the script, we've got two in Two a in a booth. Basically. Two very smart and devious cats. Yeah. Love it. Sammy and Missy. Yeah. I reckon you can be Sammy and I'll be Missy. And okay, then cool. if you look to the end of the script, you'll see Lofty, regular ad vibe, and that's the little Selly bit at the end. Right? Okay. Now, I haven't pre-read any of this. So, I know. Um, that's why it's, it's so fun. <laughs> it's going to be a – so I'm, uh, I'm going to be Sammy, yeah? You're going to be Sammy. Cool. Okay, so, hit that wheel. And your wheel. character is yeah. going to be – Excited. 
Yay! You're excited. Okay. I'm and, so excited. <laughs> and your accent is going to be USA. USA. Oh, uh, French kissing in the USA. Um, yeah, cool. <laughs> All right, okay. and I am going to be, my character is going to be, oh, God, it came up with excited as well. I'm just going to respin because, oh. <laughs> and American, you got American as no, well? I just, I just spin the, sp- sp- spin, sp- I spinned, I spinned the wheel you spin again. You the wheel. <laughs> I you made the wheel go around. Oh, good lord! And because I wasn't happy with getting excited as well, but I mean, I could gotcha. do that. It just annoys me that this little app always goes to the same things like over and over again. But it's come up with sexy minx, so I sexy minx. Yeah, yeah you can do I'm that just, easily. I'll look. I'll at this time in the morning. I can certainly give it a red hot try. Right, and accent for me. Oh, USA as well. See what I mean? It just keeps coming up with the same things. Oh, okay, you know, you you know what? Yes. How about because I there was an accent I was wanting to bust it dies, uh, <laughs> comrade Ogdensky, I will try for Russian. You you want for me to do Russian or for you to do Russian? I can do for Russian. You do for, for Russian? Russian for okay, you. Well then we will swap and I will do American. Okay. okay. All right. So the two superpowers so going head super- to head. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Wow, that's so funny you should say that because you wait till you see a script later on. The word superpowers comes up in. Oh, you're script. kidding. Yeah. That's Not so Austin weird. Powers, but superpowers. No, but it's more like an Austin Powers kind of script. But anyway, gotcha. Yeah, cool. Okay, so you're, you're uh, Russian. I am. Oh, I am an excited I'm Russian. American Let me have a sip of vodka. Oh, and I'm an American sexy minx. Oh, that works so well. Let's just dive in and see what happens. You know, Missy, it's not easy being this beautiful. Agreed. It can be tiring, and you are magnificent. True, as you are, Missy. Very kind of you to say, Sammy. Although, we could both do with a bit of a brush. Good God, you are right. I'm positively shaggy. And the human hasn't replaced the old unbreakable brush since it shattered on front path last week. Well, you did drop it from the roof this time. Scientific experiment that was not an unbreakable brush. The human doesn't appreciate your genius. Or the fact that when something breaks, it needs replacing. Or that a lack of daily brushing leads to only one thing. Furballs. I've got one right here. (coughs) Wow, look at that. Oh, nicely. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That was such a good cough. Sorry. Here we go. Oh, nicely placed right on her pillow. Mmm, why, thank you. I suspect we might have a new brush by tomorrow. And maybe some sweet, sweet catnip. Mmm, catnip. Catnip. Are your kitties trying to tell you something? 
Do your fur babies have fur balls? Come into Pet Palace for all your pet's needs. We have a full array of new and exciting treats and toys for all your furry, fishy, and feathered friends. Bored budgie, forlorn fish, depressed dog, churlish chickens, high-maintenance moggies. We'll find exactly what you need to perk up your pampered pets and make their life playful and perfect. Come to Pet Palace. It's paradise for pets. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, my God. That was fun. That Thank was you. Fun. That was so much fun. I want to do it one more time. Now we know okay. what we're doing. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, and, uh, and this time, you know what? I'm even going to try and stay in character. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you, to, do you want me to spin the wheel again and go for a different one? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, you here we go. That wheel. Uh, you spin that wheel, Comrade <laughs> Ogdensky. <laughs> let's see what you get this time. You're going to be oh, Hypercell. Okay. Hypercell? Oh, yeah. good. Oh, yep. cool. That's great. Okay. And your accent is going to be, oh, good Lord, German? <laughs> German. We have ways of making you talk. <laughs> That's going to work really well. Okay. So my accent is going to be, oh, mine just came up with- Hypercell German? No, mine mine just just me, as in as in natural. That's my, okay. that's my character. Anyway, um, let's see, accent- Let's spice it up with an accent. Oh, French. Oui, okay. So it shall be me, but French. French, but French you. Me. Okay, you're, the you're French. You're German. Are you the the doing French all and the, the Germans, the they did not get the... on so well no, a few years ago. Not, but you know, this will <laughs> be interesting that their putty tats now like one another. <laughs> Let's... Uh, okay, uh, we, oh, I've got to think just, Maxwell Smart and Chaos. We have <laughs> words of making you talk. Here, here we go. And uh, let me just get into French, sorry. Um, I am so French. Baguette. Am, yeah, well, okay, I can do it. Okay, here we oh, go. Okay. <laughs> you know, Missy, it's not easy being this beautiful. Agreed. It can be tiring. And you are magnificent. True, as you are, Missy. Very kind of you to say, Sammy, although we could both do it with a bit of a brush. Good God, you are right. I am positively shaggy and the human hasn't replaced the old unbreakable brush since it shattered on the front path last week. Well, you did drop it from the roof this time. Scientific experiment that was not an unbreakable brush. The human doesn't appreciate your genius. Or the fact that when something breaks, it needs replacing. Or that a lack of daily brushing leads to only one thing. Furballs! I've got the one right here. It is one I prepared earlier. <coughs> Ooh, nicely placed. Right on her pillow. Hmm, why, thank you. I suspect we might have a new brush by tomorrow. And maybe some sweet, sweet catnip, sweet, sweet catnip, 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 sweet, sweet. Mmm, catnip. Mmm, catnip. Are your kitties trying to tell you something? Do your fur babies have fur balls? Come to Pet Palace for all your pet needs. We have a full array of new and exciting treats and toys for all your furry, fishy and feathered friends. Bored budgie, forlorn fish, depressed dog, churlish chickens, high maintenance moggies. We'll find exactly what you need to perk up your pampered pets and make their life playful and perfect. Come to Pet Palace. It's paradise for pets. <laughs> Brilliantly done there, Lofty.
Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, as that was very fun and silly, can you have you ever done a, a voiceover where you've just gone, that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever done in my life? Yeah, but it's a matter of remembering which one exactly it was. Oh, okay. um, oh yeah. No, I can't think off the top of my head. The the ones unfortunately that we tend to remember are the really challenging sessions. That's true. That's true. Okay, well tell me about one of those. Have you ever had the uh the session where can we do one more for safety? Oh gosh, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's almost um, like every I'm like what yeah, anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, there was a there was a producer or an engineer in town who was well known for doing the can we do one more for safety, um, and the one more for safety wasn't just one more for safety; it was two more for safety; it was three more for safety, and it was ongoing. And I remember this is back in the days when I used to do retail for um, Toyota. Toyota means business, um, mm. which I started working on back in the 90s. And so, again, it was still in the tape days. We did this take. And Ray Heckendorf, who was Sleeman, Whitaker, Heckendorf and Potter, which then became Oddfellows, was the creative on it. And yeah. we'd done a couple of takes and he, he'd liked them. He, he'd gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the engineer went, oh, can we do one more for safety? And he just turned around and said, what, didn't you record the last ones? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, what are we doing one more for safety for? I liked them. Let's move on. Oh, we brilliant. had, uh, Yeah, we had a number of scripts to get through being a retail campaign, you know, advertising different cars that are on sale in different states, different prices. So it was not going to be a short session by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and um, he said, so what, didn't you record them? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's move on. <laughs> Okay, on that very note, mm-hmm. I think we should do the promo. The promo. The promo read. So promo you read. you are you're a promo guy. You've done a bazillion promos. I know. I've not maybe not a bazillion. Oh, come I on. would go probably somewhere around bazillion, but not bazillion. <laughs> Hang on, which is higher, gazillion or bazillion? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Neither Made do them I. Up. Um, okay. mm, I did. <laughs> All right, so this promo is for, obviously, for a television program that does not exist. I made mm-hmm. it up. Yet. <laughs> once, um, once a creative hears the idea, though, you, you oh, could see yeah. it on your screens yeah. very soon. This might be a difficult one to actually create. It involves aliens. Mm. And I just want you to have a quick read of the second line because not only does it have 20,000 Ps in it, but it's also a little bit of a tongue twister. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, what do they call that? Um, Alliteration. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah I know yes. my stuff. Yeah, baby. Yeah, that thing. Alliteration that. is my favourite comedy tool. <laughs> it's not really mm-hmm. a comedy tool, but it, it is in this situation. So have a quick look at that second it. line because it's going to be a bit of a oh, Hey, let's just go for it and see what let's happens. Let's go. Okay. So first off, I'd just like you to do it as you would do a promo for, you know, any of the people you oh. do promos for. Mm-hmm. And then we might change it and do an accent. Cool. Here we go. Okay. First up, as I would do it. Tonight on the premiere and final episode of Celebrity Aliens Ate My Homework, will Penelope pick the perfect partner for Pin the Pin on the Pin on the Peanut? Does Dave the Dalek destroy Darren's debut? Did a UFO really suck up Sophie's soup? Can Karen the Klingon cope? Tune in at 9pm tonight for more Celebrity Aliens than ever before. Celebrity Aliens Ate My Homework here on Mate 88 Mate. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, okay. I did trip up on the alliteration. Can I go again? Can we can we do one more for safety, please, Lofty? Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Okay, <laughs> here's safety number seventeen. <laughs> okay, here we go. Tonight on the premiere and final episode of Celebrity Aliens Ate My Homework, will Penelope pick the perfect partner for pin the pin on the pin on the peanut? Does Dave the Dalek destroy Darren's debut? Did a UFO really suck up Sophie's soup? Can Karen the Klingon cope? Tune in at 9 o'clock tonight for more Celebrity Aliens than ever before. Celebrity Aliens Ate My Homework here on Mate 88. Mate. That was perfect. Thank you. <laughs> the perfect partner for the pin, the pin on the pin on the peanut. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> That's like, you're not really, are you? you it actually just, just amused me. me enormously. <laughs> I was like, yes, what, cool. What could be weird to pin a pin on? Oh, wait, a pin. Pin so, the pin on the pin on the pin the peanut. on the peanut. Yeah. <laughs> or you could have gone pin the pin on the peanut bottle. Well, I think yeah, I've Yeah, no, that. bottle wouldn't work, would it? <laughs> Wait, I'm sure, I've, I'm sure I've played that game. Right, that was fantastic. Okay, all right. So, Oh, okay. do you want to do that in, a, in an accent or are we? Well, shall we move on? Let's move on. Okay, let's move on. I think we've established that accents are not my thing. Oh, God, so. come on. No, you, well, you don't. Yeah, uh, anyway. Oh, okay, okay. I'm going to do an American accent on it. Is that okay? That is so totally oh, like, Oh, do you want to okay. spin that wheel? Spin that no. wheel and tell the wheel to come up with USA. <laughs> Just ding. Oh, gosh. Lofty. USA. USA. Oh, great. I'll, I'll, I'll have a crack at that. Here we go. Okay. Tonight on the premiere and final episode of Celebrity Aliens Ate My Homework, will Penelope pick the perfect partner for pin the pin on the pin on the peanut? Does Dave the Dalek destroy Darren's debut? Did a UFO really suck up Sophie's soup? Can Karen the Klingon cope? Tune in at 9 tonight for more Celebrity Aliens than ever before. Celebrity Aliens Ate My Homework here on Mate 88. Mate. <laughs> oh, your American mate was brilliant. I love Thank it. You, mate. Thank <laughs> you, mate. Oh, funny. Right. Okay. So let me give you a sensible question. Gosh, do I have any? Let's okay. get this show back oh, on I track. Wanna, I want to ask you about, okay, so you wrote the book, Lofty, My Life in Short, and yep. then you read it as an audio book. Mm-hmm. Have you done audio books before? That was my first one ever. Ah, brilliant. Uh, A, because um, as egotistical and whatever you may refer to it as, um, is I had it actually literally put in the contract with HarperCollins that I was the one to narrate the book. I just couldn't. Um, Whilst, you know, audio narrators, audiobook narrators are brilliant, they hadn't lived through what I'd lived through. No, exactly. And I just... I wouldn't have been able to cope with hearing something going, that's kind of not really the inference that I intended. Can yeah. we do one more for safety? Um, yeah. You but know, it is like- kind of a no-brainer. I mean, you are a voiceover and you've written a book, so you would have to voice it. Like, they, surely they wouldn't have had a problem. They they didn't seem to have a problem. In no. fact, I, I remember when we were having the meeting that their faces kind of lit up going, oh, yeah, we don't have a problem with that. No worries <laughs> whatsoever. 
Um, but I, I wanted to make sure because otherwise as these things, you know, gather momentum, somebody may forget that he did say he wanted to do it and we've already assigned it to someone, yada, 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 yada. Got it. And I worked with Steve Hessel at 20 Below, another okay. fantastic producer who um, is an industry stalwart and very well respected in our industry. Great. And the thing about it was that I didn't, of course, know this at the time, but with dwarfism, um, spinal issues are very, very common. And unfortunately, uh, here's timing for you, I had to go into hospital to have more spinal surgery in the January of 2019, mm. and the book was slated for release in February 2019. Ooh. So I literally came out of rehab being physical rehab, not any other form of rehab, but physical rehab, straight into uh, doing the audiobook. Like, I think I got discharged from rehab on the Friday, and we started on the audiobook the following Monday. Right. Now, there's a few things about spinal surgery that, you know, you're not supposed to do until, you know, you've got your core strength and so on back, and that is sit for extended periods of time, uh, which – you know, I had to so we could uh, – Helen, the love of my life, was mm. also my chauffeur and carer, had to bring me from Wollongong up to Sydney, which is about a two-hour drive, so there's there's a no-no to start with. Mm. And Steve was, was just wonderful. He was so cognizant of what I'd been through and managed the session in keeping with his deadlines but managed the session um, timeframe in keeping with what I could and couldn't cope with. And one of those things – Kathy was amazing. I sat down in the chair and he said, look, we need you to be really, really comfortable and measured the mic and so we would put the mic and everything back in the exact same spot each and every session so it would all sound exactly the same and, you know, you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. um, but what he did was he, he went home one night and he just made a footstool for me. Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah, so okay. I was supporting my back. Uh Turned up the second day with his footstool complete with a V-shaped cutout in it where the mic stand would slot into oh, it. what? So I could sit back comfortably oh, and do the audio book. Yeah. Dude. A genuinely, genuinely wonderful, wonderful man. Oh, you know, gosh. not just because he did that. He, he yeah. is anyway. But yeah. I was like, oh, my God, that is that is just amazing. Thank you. Oh, so yeah. He is a lovely man. I've worked with Steve a few times. Don't you love that? Humans can mm. be cool sometimes. Yeah. So it was hard yakka. And I've got to say, I take my hat off to those who do audiobooks. It's not something I would like to do full time. I don't know that I have the concentration span for it or the energy for it. Although, you know, being fitter again now than I was back then, perhaps having another crack at an audiobook wouldn't be so bad, but it would have to be something that piques my interest as well. Actually, I, I remember listening to, I think it's, is it Kelly Jones? Yeah, who was the a lovely guest? Kelly, yes. Yeah, the lovely Kelly, who's um, the voice of SBS, promo voice of SBS. Yeah. yeah. She was saying, you know, honouring the author, and she did, uh, I believe recently, Yelena Dockage's autobiography. Yeah. She yeah. narrated that as an audio book. Yeah. And you do, you want to be true to the person whose life story you're telling. So for me, that was a no-brainer. It's like, it's my life story. If I fuck it up, who have I got to blame? No one but myself, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, exactly. if you didn't like it, you should have written it differently. <laughs> um, I hope you've got a beeper. Yeah, so, hey, were, you, um, were you tempted, but, though, to change what you'd written when you were reading it? Um. No, because the the process that you go through to get a book to its final uh, goes through uh, the hands of editors, sub-editors, rewrites, 
you name it. Uh, so I was incredibly happy with the finished product given the time that we had to put it all together. Got do you it. mind me sharing with you how the book actually came about? Oh, I'd love that. Yes, please do. Okay. A friend of mine, Nicole Partridge, who also became my ghostwriter, did an article in The Two of Us about myself and fellow voice artist Nick Mackay, who uh, I've known for years. We're best of buds. We joined the same agency at the same time and our friendship has been enduring through all of those years. Yeah. And also uh, Laura Murphy-Oates, who works as a journalist on SBS The Feed, SBS's The Feed, uh, reached out to me saying, love to do a profile on you. So this went to where the Two of Us article was out there. And I just posted these on, on socials. I think Facebook was the only thing I was on at the time. And a friend of mine just posted, Lofty, you should write a book. And it had been suggested to me previously, but at the time I was a very anxious person and thought no one's going to want to hear my story. And I just went, you know what, that's a good idea. One thing led to another. I reached out to Nicole, who'd done the Two of Us article in the um, Sydney, the Sun Herald, I think it is, magazine, uh, Sunday Life. Uh, said, I'm thinking of writing a book. And she said, oh, Loft, I'll be your ghostwriter. So she then reached out to somebody else who I didn't know at the time was a scout for publishing houses looking for good books to put forward. And apologies to any authors who have been banging on publishers' doors trying to get their transcript looked at. Uh, Sally Murray, her name is, and I didn't know who this was, but just to give you a time frame, right, it was the end of February 2017. Mm Mm-hmm. And Nicole and her husband came up to our place because we were neighbours at the time in Dural, um, came up and said, uh, yeah, sure, let's have a drink and chat about it. Uh, that was the Sunday. Later on that week, Nicole said, hey, look, a friend of mine's coming over. Sally, she'd like to meet you. I've been telling her about your story. So I took over what was uh, then going to be the prologue, which was the breakdown chapter. And I read it to her and she just, at the end of it, she looked at me and said, what happened next? Oh, and I and I said, well, you know, we're writing on that at the moment. Unbeknownst to me at the time, she'd reached out to Harper Collins in Sydney and said, "I'm going to meet this guy. This is what I know about him. I'll get back to you if I think there's a story there." Yeah. So she got back to Harper Collins saying, "There's definitely a story there." We were then invited to a meeting at Harper Collins in Sydney, and Helen, the love of my life, Nicole, Sally, and I fronted up, and there was the head of publishing, head of marketing, head of sales. Um, the CEO at the time, James, wanted to be there, but he couldn't because, you know, their diary gets filled up weeks in advance. And this had all happened very, very quickly. Mm. And so we four were sitting on one side of the table. The other four were sitting on the opposite side. And James had said, look, you know, I can't make the meeting, but please use my meeting room for this. So this beautiful plush meeting room overlooking Hyde Park. Nice. And they said, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd like to publish your story. We'll get back to you by the end of the week for a, with an offer. Oh, my and it's That's not every day amazing. that you get invited to a meeting at HarperCollins. So, yes. as I say, apologies to budding authors who are trying <laughs> to get their scripts looked at. And so we then went, oh, my God, let's, you know, let's duck down to the uh, Hyatt on the Park, I think it's called, because not every day you have a meeting like that. We just yeah. walked out of there going, oh, my God. <laughs> and suddenly said, look, I really need to manage your expectations, but that meeting was phenomenal. Let's order some champagne and celebrate this occasion because not every day you get something like this. Yeah. And she said, given the way publishing is going at the moment with so much stuff online and people just not buying books the way they used to, you can expect X amount as an unknown author as an advance on your book to start writing it, you know, to for them to sign you. And I went, yep, cool. And she said, so that that's just what I want you to 
to understand. And we went, yep, cool, that's fine. Anything will be great. And they came back with four times that amount <gasps> as an advance. Oh, my gosh. Oh and you've got to work the advance out, obviously, with book sales, et cetera, before you start oh, earning. Of course. But um, it was like what a testament of faith in my ability to write a book. So then Nicole Just and I sat down and yeah, but also, did it in about 18 months. Yeah, your story is so fascinating, though. And you've had, you've had particularly unique battles, but you've also come through them and been and are such a successful person. So that whole story, there's, it is so fascinating. I honestly, I, I was bawling my eyes out at times. Um, and Thank then, you. I remember you actually calling me when oh, you finished it. I, I was in, yeah. I was in tears. One of the things that affected me so deeply was um, your description of when you had a total freeze anxiety attack, but you managed mm-hmm. to get through the session. Mm-hmm. And that's happened to me. I mean, I've managed to get through it, but it's been. It's like your, your knees lock, your whole body is rigid. There, it's like none of the self-talk that You're you normally do. You're sweating profusely. Yep. Yeah. yeah. None of the I'd stuff never, works, you know. I'd never experienced any. I'd not experienced – I obviously had nerves and anxiety, which I didn't know by its name at that particular point in time, but nothing like what I went through on that particular day. Yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was just a um, – Oh, God, what would you say? Uh, it was a complete and utter anxiety attack. Yeah. Panic attack. Yeah. And uncontrollable, like you said. You know, none of the self-talk brings you down off the ledge. No. And uh, I couldn't back away from it. I broke out into a sweat. This was um, – uh, I'd been unwell, not sleeping and, and so forth, and I was heading into this session, thankfully, for a regular client who I'd done a lot of work for down through the years. But this was a big job. It was like an hour and a half, three-hour record for a an event where I was the voice of God, as they refer to it as. You know, you go along to an awards night, doesn't matter what industry you work in, engineering or whatever, you may have industry awards where, ladies and gentlemen, the awards for engineering excellence are proudly brought to you by, and first award tonight... The yeah. nominees are, and you describe what it is that they're nominated for and give a synopsis, and everyone in the room knows what you're talking about, but you may not necessarily understand it. And it was one of those types of things, and the, I got about three lines into it, I think, and I just started talking what I thought was gibberish. Oh. And it's like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Um, oh, I just started. So, oh, yeah, go on. Sorry. I started sweating like I've never sweated before, yeah. thinking literally that I was creating a pool of sweat on the floorboards of the studio, and I'd have to, you know, pay to have them repaired. And I just said, "Guys, look, um, do you mind if I just take a break for a moment? I, I don't know what's going on, but I just need to take a break." Went to the bathroom, looked in the mirror, get your shit together. Yeah. I can't. I'm trying. I'm doing my best. Well, that's not helpful. Blah, blah, blah. All that self-talk. Anyway, I went back in, tried again. And then eventually the client took a break, came in. He said, Lofty, what's wrong? Mm. I said, I don't know. I don't feel well. Mm. And I really don't know what's going on. I've never experienced this before. Anyway, I limped through the session with their understanding and uh, I thought, oh, my God, as soon as I'm out of there, they're going to get somebody else in to do it all because, you know, what I left them with was not great. But So that was the start of my breakdown, or as my psychologist, Peter Casbolt, calls it, breakthrough because I had to hit rock bottom to be able to 
you know, I'd, I'd been pulling the parachute and stopping myself from hitting ground zero so many times with my anxiety. Not that I knew it, but I had to have that breakdown to be able to get through it. But so, it was the start of a very, very dark period of my life where I had to stop working for three months. Yeah. Didn't go outside of the house, basically. And to anybody who's experienced mental illness, you you know, you can appreciate and understand what's what I went through, but to those who who haven't, somebody described it to me really well. The analogy they used was, it's like swimming in mud. Mm. You are making so much effort to get nowhere. Yeah. yeah. I also liken it to being in a mirror maze, you know, the old house of mirrors yeah. at the sideshow that you'd go in and however every reflection looking back at you is one that you can't stand and you can't get away from it. So um, what year was that? That, you that was that. 2013. Okay. And uh, several things about this are, are fantastic, and they're fantastic for, for listeners, obviously horrific. But the good thing about this is that, one, you discovered what it was. Two, mm. you got the right help. Three, you came through it. Four, you came through that and with with. I mean, really, three months off work, and it seems like a lifetime in this industry because most of us are terrified of even taking a holiday. Oh God, for yeah. A week, you know. <laughs> let alone. Yeah, I never used to yeah. on that point. I never used to until one day my previous agent had said to me, "Off my experience of you is you never take holidays. Mm. You got to take them." No, I never did and when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I was just work, 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 work. Always got to be available. You never know what you might miss out on. Yada yada yada. And uh, but yeah, then eventually I started taking holidays. But the first of it was actually to go into hospital for my first spinal operation. So I had no choice. Yeah. And I came out with work to go back to, and I thought, oh, this taking holidays or taking a break isn't so bad. I might do that again. Yeah, yeah. it's important. I'm actually I've, my twenty fourth wedding anniversary is coming. Congratulations, up. <laughs> by the way. I did know that. <laughs> Thank you. So we're going away for six whole days, which to me is a lifetime. But that my is. husband works in a really high-powered job. He has a certain amount of allotted holidays per year, and if he doesn't take them, he loses them. And he doesn't want to go on holiday without me, you know. Yeah, fair so, enough. And I I find it mm. really hard. And and the odd weekend away, like three or four-day weekend we've taken, I'm usually kind of like preparing for something or doing something. And and actually it is in, it's extremely important to just – Stop. Oh, for your mental health, it is. Absolutely. It really is. And I wonder, actually, um, I think extended lockdowns have been a nightmare for people, but mm -hmm. I wonder if, if some of the shorter lockdowns that we've experienced in this country have actually in some ways been good for people. I don't know. I tend to agree that, um, yeah, there are some it would have been very bad for, particularly you cannot leave your house, and if you do, you know, you'll get fined or whatever. Yeah. We, yeah. we had a... As you've said, in this country, it's been probably not as stringent as it has been for so many other um, nationalities and countries around the globe who have had to handle it in the best way that they could. We have been very fortunate in that regard. Yeah. But I think what it has also done is allowed people to assess what is important to them. It has also given yeah. business the opportunity to go, do we really need all of this real estate? Absolutely. When, when clearly, you know, this whole working from home, we've survived it. People yeah. have flourished. Business yeah. has gotten done. And, you know, there are some who will argue, oh, well, you're not as productive when you're working from home. But then there are others who have had this experience, and I know it for sure, my son being one of them, yeah. um, that because you are working from home, you're constantly available. 
So you may get a work-related <laughs> call outside true. of a outside of a normal, you know, like instead of, okay, well, it's 5 o'clock, I'm going home, checking out of the office. Yeah. Oh, it's 6 o'clock, they'll still be around. Or it's 7 o'clock, they've probably finished dinner. I'll give mm. them a call and talk to them about mm. this. That, yeah, you know, it, it's had its pros and cons. But for you and I personally, I was geared up, ready to go for it anyway, unbeknownst to me at the time, because I've been working remotely for a great deal of time. Yeah. 2GB I do from home. Uh, yeah. Sky News I do from home. MasterChef I do from home. Yeah. They've all said, you live in Wollongong now. You've got the home studio. Let's make use of it. So, yeah. Which is a brilliant thing. Well, as you know, I rang you when we were mm. in lockdown and said, hey, Lofty. <laughs> no, I need to get this done. Well, here's your, person to, here's your to. person to talk to. your person to talk to. Not uh, me, people, not me. A, uh, a very good studio engineer. Yeah. Uh, Richie Allen from Studios. Yep. We all love you. He's amazing. Yeah, we do. And it took it took a while to get it. I was expecting to kind of have like a, a little setup overnight, but no. But yeah. also I think home studios, it depends very much on where you live and your budget, obviously. Uh, some people, they, they can have literally a wardrobe converted into a studio and it's perfect. It's amazing mm-hmm. because they live nowhere near a main road. The only mm-hmm. real noises they're having to deal with or to pad out are birds or, you know, that kind of thing mm-hmm. outside or, the house. Or, you know, the garden guy next door with his whippersnipper. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's that's what machetes are for. No, I'm kidding. Um, mm, exactly. <laughs> uh, not to be used on the garden but on the guy with the whippersnipper. <laughs> no, we do not advocate violence on this program. We do, do not, not do that. But joking. It was a joke. Um, it was anyway. a joke, people. But, yeah, with mine, Richie ended up having to design something that was completely soundproof because I live on a main road and I've got a bus mm. stop outside my house. So I have all that low rumble to get rid of. Anyway, and so – didn't he do a fine job? He did a fine job, including the plastic chandelier that I am mm. seriously proud of. What What's your setup like? What have you got mic-wise, headphone-wise, uh, interface-wise? Well, oh, there's that word I never remember, interface. Interface. Interface uh, is – the thing that and goes, door. The and door is another door one that I've had really to become familiar with. It's like, a door? Yeah, I have doors. <laughs> There's a door on the room. There's a door on the front of the house. No, not that kind of door. D-A-W. Also, on speaking about normal doors, we are fortunate to be in a fairly quiet area and the place that we are in is well insulated. It was well built. So sound is not a major issue where we are. We've certainly been in areas that it was. Right. So what I have as a voiceover booth is for internal doors hinged together and hinges can be taken apart. They're not solid hinges. They're those ones that do actually literally take apart. So Mm -hmm. it can be flat packed and moved to wherever we might go next, being in a rental property. And it's lined with audio foam. And the mic I use is the one I'm on at the moment, or there's two of them. Uh, This is a Sennheiser 416, which many people in the industry would be familiar with. It's sort of like the go-to standard mic. I'm not using it in the booth at the moment. I'm actually sitting at the desk outside of my booth. And there is a Neumann U87, a beautiful microphone, which 2GB loaned to me because they wanted to recreate the same sound they were getting from me in their studio. So in turn, they gave me the use of this particular mic. Mm -hmm. I have a preamp on the Sennheiser, which is a Focusrite. ISA-1 going into a Yamaha desk Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm still old school. I like to be able to twiddle the knobs and all of that, literally be able to sort of make adjustments in that regard rather than doing it virtually. The record program or the door, which stands for Digital Audio Workstation, is Adobe Audition, which Uh, I love. Okay, got it. Yep. Can I just go back to the initial thing that you said? So you've got four doors, literally mm-hmm. D-O-O-R-S doors. D-O-O-R-S. They, they are the sides of your studio. 
Well, if you think of a door inside your home, what are they? About three and a half feet wide, yeah. thereabouts? Yeah. So that is the size of my booth. I just think that's such a – I've never heard of such a genius idea. And I've got a really good friend who's looking down the barrel spending a fortune on a studio and she doesn't actually need something like studio bricks or something that's made from scratch yeah. necessarily. But the idea of getting four doors and hinges that makes a box basically and then lining it with audio foam, I have yes. never heard that before and that – is a stroke of genius. Because do you put anything over the the top of the booth or is there... Not if I want to suffocate. Not unless <laughs> I want to suffocate. But um, we do have a spare panel for that exact reason. Got it. That if, because uh, we live in a, a group of townhouses, yeah. uh, Body Corporate has a maintenance guy with his weed whacker and... Tell me uh, he doesn't have a leaf blower. <laughs> uh, yeah, it does have a no. leaf blower. So if I need to shut that sound out, although the the glass seems to be double glazed, which is great, but if it is noisy and I've got to do something, I will be on the Sennheiser, which is the microphone I'm on now, because they are incredibly directional, meaning they'll only take in a certain pattern of sound in front of them, whereas the Neumann is more all-encompassing and is more likely to pick up ambient sounds around you. Also, in learning to use Audition, there is... There is the waveform that you can go into, and if you identify a sound, you can actually cut that sound out without affecting the rest of it, yes. like, say, a dog barks yeah. or something like that. <gasps> Lofty. That's going to be really useful for people who are looking at doing home studios. So many people are needing to work from home all over the world now um, mm. in this business, mm. and if they don't already have a studio, they're kind of, you know, my most, I'd say, all but one job I've done, I've hooked up with another studio. They just get the, they get the raw voice. So I just mm-hmm. have a really good mic and I have a really good system and everything, but I don't engineer my voice for it. There was that thing, there was that train of thought when home studios first came about and, and quite rightly so, because some home studios were not exactly ideally set up or professionally set up. Yeah. So yeah. studios, proper studios could not rely on the quality of the recording, but I've linked up with a number of studios who have gone, man, you know, the sound that you get out of your studio is brilliant. Uh, I must give credit to Jamie Green, a fellow voice artist, but started his life as an audio engineer. He set it up for me right from the get-go way back in 2008 when yeah. I picked up an American agent. And of course, you cannot go hiring studios, you know, hand over fist, throwing money at them for jobs that you may not book when you're auditioning. So I had to have a home studio and also the time difference, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Jamie set it up. So, uh, you know, probably right from the right from the get-go and every time we've moved, I've just, you know, taken prolific notes to recreate it and set it up exactly the same. So, yeah. So tell me about, you just mentioned then that you got an American agent. How did you go about that? Movie trailers have always been a dream of mine to do, having grown up in the days of Don LaFontaine and so on, you could be out of the room, you know, making a cup of tea. This is back in the days when TV was a piece of furniture that sat in your lounge room (laughs) corner and was revered and people huddled around the TV watching a particular show that was determined to be put on it. None of this on-demand stuff. Anyway, ad breaks is what you used to use to go and get a snack or a drink or whatever. And if I was in the kitchen and I heard that in a world, you knew it had to be about a movie. 
And so I'd go running in going, oh, what movie is this one about? And I just fell in love with movie trailers and always wanted to do them. So I set about learning the American accent. Nick Tate, an Australian actor who has done very, very well for himself in the movie trailer world, was a dear friend of Don's. Don LaFontaine passed away in 2008. Mm-hmm. I'd met him and uh, said to him, you know, look, I'm going to the States. He said, well, have you got something to play me? And I said, yes. Yeah. So I played him my trailer demo as it was at the time. And he said, man, he said, your, your American accent's not bad. He said, look, uh, when are you going to the States? And I said, oh, going over for a conference at this particular time. He said, look, I can do one of two things. He said, I can reach out to my agent and let them know that you're coming over and might be worth their while having a meeting, or I can attach your demo and send exactly the same email. And thanks to Nick, I got a meeting with his agent and signed with them on, on the spot. Amazing. There you go. That is brilliant. Mm. So, so yeah. speaking of inner world... In um, world. I've actually written a. You've, have movie you written trailer. a movie trailer? Oh, <laughs> I love you. Thank you. <laughs> because I know you love them. So I would like you to and do that. And you for used me. in a world. Of course hey, I did. I just looked of course at this. I did. Uh, wow. <laughs> to be. Have a quick read through in case there's anything tricky in there or so stupid you just can't read it. <laughs> 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 uh, third last line, I misread it. The answer lies in the tentacles. I won't say what I um, misread. <laughs> the answer lies in the testicles of the Medusa constellation. I've never put the word testicles in a script, but no, I know. Maybe I, maybe As I, I say, I misread it. <laughs> I must get my eyes checked. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, so. Good to go. Good to go? Yeah. Lofty Fulton, do your movie trailer. In a world where not one but two intergalactic superpowers are fighting to claim our planet, which side will take the ultimate prize? And can Will Smith and a Labrador puppy called Mr. Chompy stop them? The answer lies in the testicles of the Medusa <laughs> constellation, coming soon to a screen near you. The Medusa Constellation, rated PG for testicles. <laughs> or rated PG for tentacles. I did really write the word tentacles, didn't I? Yes, you did. I, I literally misread it. I was, first up, I misread it. It sounds so hilarious with testicles. <laughs> <laughs> and particularly considering that Medusa had them. Well, yeah, that's exactly. a whole new ball game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. Done. No punny, no punny intended. No, I just realised what I said. <laughs> so, well, tentacles of the Medusa constellation in this absurd script does make slightly more sense, but still, testicles is hilarious. Oh, that was so good, Lofty. I'd come and see that film. <laughs> yes, yeah, so would I. Oh, my gosh. So I'm just going to have a quick look through. Oh, wait. Okay. Wait, there's more. Don't but call wait, now. there's more. We'll bill you. Have your credit card at the ready. Did you want to have a little go at the nonsense poetry jam? Yeah, where is that? Okay. I don't have any nonsense under, poetry. Under promo. Mm, got it. So the principle of this is that I write an absurd poem that means absolutely nothing and the rules are that none of the words in any line make any sense with each Good, other. Good, so it doesn't actually Accent. rhyme. It's not, a, it's not a poem like you and I were taught in primary school. Good Lord, no. I think I was really drunk when I first came up with this concept very many gotcha. years ago. 
So That always works. It made me laugh at the time. But the good thing about getting someone such as yourself, who is such a genius at reading, that you, I think, will just give this very nonsense poem its meaning. So I will certainly do, <laughs> do my darndest. To, shall we? Shall we? Go am to am the, I supposed to understand it and know the meaning of it as well, or, no, or shall we just do what we always do and read the stuff know. with conviction <laughs> as to, we know what we're talking about? Yeah, cool. Exactly. So okay. I think. Okay, I think we're just going to have Lofty Fulton doing it in his actual voice, but the can character. I, yeah, can I, because we don't understand the poem as it is. It'll only confuse people if I try and bastardise some poor culture's accent. Absolutely. But I did just press the character button and it came up with Sexy Minx. So oh, if you Sexy could, Minx. If I can you do could, that. Uh, if you could read this as a Sexy Minx version of yourself, mm-hmm. then I'm sure we'll get to the crux of what was in my subconscious when I wrote this. You you may or you may not have been in the country at the time, but do you remember the old 0055 numbers? Oh yeah, yeah. Double, yeah, yeah. double five. Oh yeah. Oh, I used to do the. I used to sit in a room for hours on end, going press one for S and M, press three for ladies with big busts. And then you got a job doing it. No, what? <laughs> <laughs> you Is that what me. you're trying to tell me? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I was never okay. the actual phone sex worker. I was the girl who's. Hi, I'm Sandy and welcome. No, I mean you used to sit in a room hours on end practising and then you actually got a job no, doing it. No, I got that. the job doing it. That was <laughs> me. That yes, was, I know. I know, I was being I know. stupid. I've actually forgotten about that. I must remember that because that was a hilarious thing to do. But then a lot of it was really boring because you're just going one, two, two three, three. Or, you know, all the numbers, yeah. all the dates, all the, you know, phone number. It was just, it was actually really, June really boring. One, work. 70. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back then, the technology didn't quite blend the way it does now. Well, and also, with but like if you were a punter, you would call and it was charged by the minute. Really huge. Oh, amount. exorbitant like, rates. Exorbitant. Yeah. So the, horrifyingly, I would have to go, hi, and welcome to whatever it was called. Um, just so as you know, your calls will not be recorded, but if they are, blah, 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 blah. and it was like, you know, three minutes of just crap yeah. you know, before yep. the poor person would eventually get to choose which direction they wanted which to Which number go. they wanted to push, And then there yeah. was more blurb before they ever got to talk to a person and or mm. hear whatever it was they were ringing for. I don't know because I never rang. But, yeah, I mean, it was really quite tragic the way those things were set up. I don't oh, know whether God, they yeah. still are. but No, I don't think they are. I think They probably had a crackdown on that because that was a really, really oh, nasty yeah. thing. But yep. then who's going to put their hand up and go, hey, I love <laughs> ringing sex lines and I'm spending too much money on them because they do this, you know. Yeah, exactly. We, oh, God, they've got people over a barrel. Anyway, Lofty, would you please grace okay. us with your nonsense poetry jam? Thank you. My nonsense poetry jam. Thank you. Forensic tripod, orange chanced the blend. Do thought and brim exceptional. Whiny jug of near renounce. Gift stomp, verdant bean flick, or referees. Unto cloud a systematically nose. Dwelt from hair egg withering. Fabric quell broke sleeker tin. Mortification. Laugh sheet for Bunyip of certainty Before ginger east Extraction in jaundice Opal swine To probably vamp Gelatin thermal London This cake brow in maintenance 
or probable, dazzle, veruca, unflinching. Oh, so good. That was so good. I nearly, nearly lost it when you read Dwelt from Hair Egg Withering. <laughs> the one that nearly got me was the bean flick. Gift stomp verdant bean flick. Mm, okay. <laughs> that was so good. Oh, my gosh. If oh. I ever do a book of nonsense poetry, I'd love you to read some for me. It just works so well. By the way, pronunciation, is it Veruca or Verica or, or is that just a Veruca. I learned the term when I lived in the UK. It's what we call a planter wart. Oh, okay. Very unattractive yeah. thing. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dazzleless with your planter wart. Unflinching. <laughs> yeah, I can see why you went with Veruca on that one. Well, yeah, what else could go after dazzle and before unflinching, really? Come on. Actually, you know, we've spoken already about the horror sessions. Mm. Have you had the sessions where you and everyone else can't actually stop laughing and you and you get to a stage where what you have to do is literally turn your back and yes. stare at the back wall of the studio with the mic, yes. you know, like just to just to get it together. Yes. Because it get, it gets to the stage, and I remember this happening once with Bill Dowling with Aww, Sound Kitchen. I love Bill. Years and years and years. Bill and I, I first met him when I first came to Sydney, and a great guy. And he got to the stage where I had just lost it so much that he could just, you know, hold his forefinger up and go, Lofty, <laughs> don't laugh at that. And <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay, seriously, we've got to get this together now. Yeah. Uh, so yes. it, it's, it is all fun and games, people, until someone gets hurt. Then it's uh, hilarious. Uh, I'm a terrible giggler. I'm terrible. Oh, so am I. Yeah, I, think we I am all too. Are. And, and I think Kelly Jones was saying, she, she's like, right, Kelly Jones, you're a professional. You will never work again. I heard her if you say don't. that. Yes. <laughs> you will never work again in this town unless you stop laughing right here and now. <laughs> I love that description because we all do it. It's just so funny. Mm. Yeah, it can be, it can actually be one of the, I mean, it is. It's one of the best bloody jobs on the planet, isn't it? Oh, God, I mean, yeah. Beats really. working for a living. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. I love it. Anyway, Lofty, I mm. think we've covered pretty much all the things we need to cover. I think for an hour long chat, we've done pretty well. I think for we've, we almost we've, made it. We've, we've, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think we've been going for nearly, well, let's not say that because I'm going to no, edit this. Exactly. Day. Gosh, it's been brilliant. So I just want to thank hoot. you. <laughs> it's been a hoot and a holler. And thank you so much for coming on the show. And I know you're oh, a busy look, man. Thank you. And I really appreciate it. You always make time for me and you're just a doll for that and I appreciate oh, it Oh, darling, so, thank so you. That is, so, that is so nice. Absolutely. And I'm just going to put a little plug in here actually because your beautiful partner, Helen Trenary, um, mm -hmm. is a photographer but she also designed my website for me which I mm. think is a – thing of great beauty and I think she did a damn fine job. She with did a brilliant job. And she I know did she mine does, as well. Yeah, I know. And yours is fantastic. So just saying that <laughs> if anybody needs a new website design with somebody who has a very, very good way of communicating. Like she did exactly what I wanted, but she also gave mm. me the most extraordinary ideas along the way. So she was fantastic. She was a perfect person for that. So yeah, Helen Trinary photographer.com and Helen Trinary.com. And if you want to look at some of her pet photography, rough and stuff, I think it's .com.au, but rough and stuff, cool. R-U-F-F-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N
stuff, rough and stuff. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. Okay, cool. a well-deserved plug. And, of course, you can be found on all the socials and there is your book, My Life in Short, and you're with EM Voices. Mm-hmm. I am indeed, and I love them. In Australia, that is. With Vox in uh, Los Angeles. Ah, awesome. All right, well, Lofty, thank you so much for being on the show. It's just been such a joy, and I wish you well with everything, and I know we'll be chatting again soon. Thank you for we coming will. on Voice Over Voices. Right back at you. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. It's been awesome. Thanks, Lofty. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to Voice Over Voices, scripts and concept by Kathy Ogden. Music produced by Grant Windsor and written by Jeff Franzel and Kathy Ogden. You can find us on Instagram at voice underscore over underscore voices. If you liked this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe so more people can find us. Be kind. Thank you.